This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jack Gumto, the Defense Intelligence Agency's Chief Information Officer. Jack, thanks so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason. There's a lot going on at DIA. It's been probably seven years since I had the CIO on my show. So instead of trying to go back and, and catch up over what happened over the last seven years, I'm going to go forward a little bit. And one of the reasons we're talking today is I came across a, a kind of a new CIO strategy that DIA that you released. You're really trying to get people, I guess, involved in DIA in a, in a different way from a vendor side. So let's start with that CIO strategy. There's from a very high level, what are your goals and, and how has that strategy evolved? DIA strategy is, we haven't had a strategy in several years. Until last year, we put out our first strategy. The one that you're talking about now came out this year is just some tweaking of what we did last year going across the five-year um, fight it. And so the goals are all staying the same. And the four goals are drive customer centricity. Goal number two, deliver data to the point of need. Goal three is optimize the DIA CIO core. And then goal four is equip our workforce. And we can talk about, you know, what's that really mean? The, the published document that we put out um, last year talked about it. This year's version is really a more a tweaking some of the words and clarifying what we mean by that. So not only are our employees the DIA as an entity altogether all understands it, but also our vendors, academia, partners, they're all part of this journey that we're on to make, to ensure that what we do in DIA CIO is meeting the needs of our partners. That's the bottom line. Let's go through maybe those four goals that you laid out. When you talk about each one, I mean, let's start with customer centricity. I hear that so often from CIOs. As it's been a huge focus over the last, I'd say, four or five years. How are you all going down that path? Let's jump back real quick. Customer centricity and what IT people do in general. And so there's long been this, this view that IT does things for IT purposes, not for the customer purposes. So the customer wants me to deliver them an apple and I bring it. I bring them a bucket of chicken because I know better, right? That is not customer centricity. Customer centricity is really about getting engaged with the customer or your partner, as the case may be, and understanding what they really want to do, not in a, hey, I need this system, can you go build it? But it's their daily OODA loop. So we understand ahead of what, what they're doing that we can anticipate their needs and then validate those needs with them, and then move out. And so it's not so much IT saying, well, hey, we know better and we're gonna go do this. It's a partnership. It's an integrated, intertwined partnership between the customer and us so that we're moving forward together. So the customer may say, and I'll play a little devil's advocate with you. Yeah, yeah, you say that all the time, but in the end, I'm still throwing my requirements over the transom and you're giving me back my requirements. So what are you guys doing at DIA CIO to create that partnership to, to be more integrated and more intertwined? Yeah, so there's a couple things. One is, you know, we've had for a number of years what we call our senior account managers that are integrated with all of our centers and then with each of the co-coms. Um, they're part, in, an integral part of that entity. And they're that liaison if you, that's in their staff meetings that's talking to 
their senior leaders that's listening and conveying what we can do. So that's, that's one piece of it. Another part that we stood up is called the customer experience group. So they are bringing together personnel from uh, uh, wherever it may be, the uh, COCOM from a, another center, or even from within CIO, and, and having a discussion with them and saying, what is it? What works well? What doesn't work well? How could we do better? And, and so we end up having a deeper understanding of the customer at the level the customer is addressing things with. And it's not as much as, oh, okay, I heard you, but you know, as an IT, I have an IT filter going on, and that filter just changed it. it it's this iterative process back and forth with them um, that allows us to get better in, in, ingrained with what the customer needs are. Another, you know, another piece of this is, in the past, CIO writ large has been not as transparent as what I would like to have seen. So when I came into this job almost three years ago, June of 2018, one of my first goals going in was is transparency. Um, and so I'm transparent about everything. Uh, and that's that includes all the way from what I'm doing with all my employees, all the way to what we're doing with our customers and partners. And inclusive of what our budgets look like, where we're spending money, uh, what our goals and objectives are, uh, complete transparency. So there's no questions about, hey, are you doing this in my best interest? Now you're going to see it right up, or you have been seeing it right up front, that we, we are going to sit at the table. And one of my litmus tests uh, I tell uh, my folks are, is if I can't sit across the table from you, and be fully transparent, then I've got a problem. So if you ask me how much money you're spending, I should be able to say, here's what I'm doing. So there was X amount of money in this budget. Here's what the taxes we had to take from that. Here's what a license cost was. Here's what a hosting cost was on this cloud environment. And this is what you have left in that pot, therefore, to go ahead and execute what we want to do. So how are we going to move forward? In the past, that stuff wasn't available. It was just said, all those things that got subtracted off the top were, were not shown. So they may expect it. I'm just going to throw out a number. A million dollars in a pot. We took off 25% of that because it went to all those things, licenses, hosting costs, maintenance, et cetera. And then they ended up with 750K. And they're like, wait a minute. I'm looking into the bigger budget numbers. And I can see there's a million. But you're only telling me the 750,000. What happened? And, and we wouldn't tell them. So we're... We have changed that completely to be fully transparent with the customers and partners on that so they can see everything. All right, you're, you're opening the door. I'm just going to walk through it, okay? So sure. what's your budget? <laughs> that, that's not something I can um, go ahead and talk to you there about. There you go. <laughs> I had to walk through it. You know that, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But if you were inside the fence and fully cleared, we could have that discussion. Exactly. I'm not. No, no. I, I knew the answer, but I, 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 had to, I had to ask, right? One of the things you mentioned when you talk about the iterative process, it occurs to me, this idea of DevSecOps. And that is, bit, you know, you hear so much about, I've got to bring the customer into it. We have to as we move to agile development and DevSecOps and, and things of that nature, is that part of this customer experience or is that yes, but, but in a different way, because you're talking about when you talk about customer centricity, you're not necessarily talking about the delivery of it yet. You're, this is just, okay, do we understand each other? No, actually it's, it's uh, integrated 
throughout all of our, our goals. So with that, what you just said is how do we deliver is integrated into goal number three, which is optimizing the DIA CIF core. So one of the things that we did uh, is another thing I did when I came in was in the past CIO, DIA CIO, I'll speak specifically, and I assume a lot of others felt like we had to be the sole provider of all things IT data information to the agency. So we own it all. Well, guess what? We're not good at owning it all. There are some things that we're really good at and some things I'm never going to be able to deliver well. So as much as we integrate with the customer and try to understand it, in many cases, I'm not, or our folks and CIO are not the customer in the sense of they, they're not a, a, a DI intelligence analyst. They're not a collection specialist. They're not a science, science and technology um, developer of some unique capability. Right? So, and so while we may understand the IT, we don't understand necessarily what they want to do. So the, the intent of all that was, let's do what we do Best. So the, the core, the, the goal number three, um, was about three things if you think about a, a network stack. So at the transport level, we own that. At the infrastructure level, I own that. And at the platform level, I own that. I'll set the standards, the policy, the environment, we'll, we'll control that. As you get above that at the application layers, I don't own that anymore. So that can now be joint. If, you're, if you know what you want to do and you, you're going to build on my standards and policies and platforms, have at it as long as you comply with what those are. And, and sec, security, DSECOPS, uh, the cyber, that's all a component of that. If you, if you don't know and you want to say, well, okay, then we can do that for you too with you participating in that process. So it really got back to, yeah, customer centricity is, is really this iterative process back and forth, understanding and being open with them. But it's also saying, here's what I'm good at, and this is what we'll do, we'll deliver, we'll give you this guarantee on this com component of it. And if you want to build on top of that, that's okay. I don't need to be the sole provider of that because I, once again, I don't want you to ask for an apple and I bring you a bucket of chicken. That approach seems to be something that I'm seeing a little bit more of. It's also dealing with the shadow IT problem that I think has grown, maybe not a DIA, but definitely in the civilian world more often, where people, again, you, as you said, well, if they stop bringing me a bucket of chicken, I won't have to create my own apple. But until they do that, I'm just going to create my own apple. Is that part of this goal? Maybe not necessarily shadow IT per se, but, but it, creating the it, platform and then, and then not hands off, but, but but not trying to do everything, as you said. So Jason, yeah, it, shadow IT was what one of the issues were. So before I became that, the CIO, you know, I used to hear this all the time. There's lots of shadow IT going on out there. And people got were concerned about that. And a lot of the concern was about, well, then how do you maintain something? So Jason goes and develops application X and throws it over the transom to Jack and CIO and says, now you've got to go maintain that. I'm like, okay, how's that going to work, right? That is a concern, but it's not my most pressing concern. My more pressing concern is, are you complying with the standards that we've established? Because as we've all seen in recent hacks and so forth with 
in the cyber world, if I don't have good controls in place, then we end up, we're susceptible to adversarial attacks on us. And so from a security perspective, it's more important to me than the budget aspect of it. The budget certainly does because over time, as you continue doing things, and we're not programming for providing that maintenance and support for an application, it, it eats your base pro, um, budget. Um, so that it's both of those things, but to me, the security aspect um, is really, really critical. And as we go into, you know, clouds are becoming more and more prevalent, right? So in, in the uh, IC, the intelligence community, we stood up, there was a couple of clouds as part of iSight. Um, one was GovCloud provisioned by NSA and the other one was uh, C2S, which is Amazon hosted in our classified environment. That they have released a new contract called C2E, which is a multi-vendor cloud environment that's going forward. So I believe the, it's IBM, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and Oracle are the five. So if there's not set standards, if there's not for both development, you know, applications, security, and so forth, when you start bringing in that level of complexity, so I'm running a workload in C2S, I'm doing storage in, in Oracle, um, and I'm searching the indexes via the Google piece on that, it's going to just be chaos and we're going to spend a lot of money and not deliver what really what the customer needs unless we're very tight on the enforcement of here's some sets of standards and guidelines that you have to go forward with. All right, Jack, you brought up a couple of things that we're definitely going to follow up with. Eyesight's one of them, C2E is the other. But first, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation going through your four goals. My guest today is Jack Umto, the Defense Intelligence Agency's CIO. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jack Gumto, the Defense Intelligence Agency's Chief Information Officer. Now, Jack, before a break, you brought those magic letters up, C2E. You mentioned cloud. Let's start down that path because I know that's central to goal three of your strategy, which is building up the core. I know C2E is just getting started, so there may not be a ton to talk about. But give me a sense. Are you excited about it? You're, you're looking forward to it. You plan to use it. What's the buildup for C2E that you that DIA is starting to consider? C2E, um, you can add in DOD's JEDI, the Cape Eagle Crossing, uh, which is was part of bringing up Microsoft's Azure in O365 into our, our classified environment before C2E. They're all opportunities for us to move the ball down the field. And, and across all four of my goals, right? Customer centricity, um, goal number two, delivering data to the point of need. The cloud plays a key role in that. Um, optimizing DIA CIO core, the cloud's in there. And then equipping our workforce, goal number four, is ensuring that our workforce can operate in those environments effectively as well. So it's, a, it's an exciting time as we're getting more opportunities to provide better mission capabilities to our, our customers and partners. At the same time, there's a little bit of anxiety associated with that. So as I was alluding to earlier, when I might have a workload in one and storage in another, and visualize that in a third, how do you orchestrate that across those multiple clouds effectively? 
Um, and I think there's going to be a fairly large learning curve as we do that. And we're going to fail in some areas and, and then eventually succeed in that. And, and therein lies one of the key areas where I would like or I, and I need our partners, especially from industry and academia, to help us in, in that journey. Because I, if I just go it alone, like we did on C2S, it took us a couple of years to finally become fully conversant in what cloud meant and how to utilize that. Um, and so as each one of those clouds offer different capabilities and different opportunities, um, not only for within CONUS, but for, for me, I need it globally. So where are we gonna put these OCONUS that supports it? Because as of right now, physics still rule the day. And if I'm supporting a, a customer in Afghanistan, which we are, and it has to come all the way back to Northern Virginia where our cloud is, physics plays a role in this. Um, and so it then forces us to look at our entire architectures. And so how do we architect edge nodes that talk back to the mothership uh, and that provides all that support? And then, by the way, what happens when our transport between Afghanistan and here goes down for whatever reasons? Um, and they go down frequently uh, across the world. We've seen just recently Verizon went down in the Northeast Corridor. Um, it was a fiber cut up in Brooklyn. It shut down large parts of the Northeast Corridor. Well, we, we have those same environments. So how do you architect your entire ecosystem knowing that those things are going to happen? So you have to have that level of redundancy uh, and resiliency built into it. And it can't be just a single node, cloud node, back on the East Coast that provides support to the whole world. That's just not feasible. So the, the opportunity of C2E with multiple clouds, multiple opportunities, yeah, it's, it's exciting with, within the constraints that I said that, hey, there's a level of anxiety of ensuring that we understand how to orchestrate across all that. As this contract, as, as this opportunity gets stood up, are you at DIA already saying, we want to put this workload in C2E, we don't want to put that workload in C2E? Is that, is that process or that application rationalization piece, is that already happening? That thought process is ongoing to the extent of what we know. We don't fully know all the details yet of the C2E and the, the various vendors' capabilities. There's some things that we know about. Uh, and so, yes, um, for example, in C2S, transaction rates in storage is expensive. So if you have a high transaction uh, rate going into that, it's probably not the place you want to do that. Uh, Oracle is gonna be one of them. Oracle talks about, hey, we're gonna have no transaction rate in there, so you're paying by the byte of storage used on that. And here's what our rates are, which at face value seems a lot lower. And then that kind of makes sense if all the performance metrics are also met that says, okay, I might want to put more storage in the Oracle cloud because of that, those, the business rules, if you will. So that, that's the kind of thought process that's going on now. How, how are we going to orchestrate this? And not only with the cloud, but also on-prem. On so we still have a hybrid environment. I don't see any, anything in the short term that's going to say that I'm, I'm going to get out of that. Uh, I just had a session with Indopaycom uh, customers. 
and, and they sit on an island and they're one of their concerns is, hey, what happens when we become disconnected to, in comms? How are we gonna operate when everything's off, most things are off island? And they're like, Jack, have you, have you thought about and can you help us move forward with, perhaps we need to have a data center, a cloud node on the island of Oahu. How much did you guys use C2S or how much, or, or maybe the broader question is how much are you already in the cloud? I, I would just say in C2S right now with our, our sets of applications, it, it's a little bit hard to define because I'm both, it's in that hybrid environment. So I may have an application in C2S, but I also have it uh, in a warm backup state prem because it's a critical application. I'd tell you, we're probably in the, the 40% to 45% using the cloud. I would love to get to a higher rate, especially in storage. I think that we need to go move to storage as a service and outsource that because that is not a core capability that I think I'm good at. And the reason being is the way storage gets allocated. So a program needs, for example, uh, 100 gigs worth of data, they say they do, but in reality, they only use 10, but we've allocated 100. And so I've got 90 gigs that is just spinning and is never used. And so we're buying that much storage when I only need a percentage of that storage. And service, storage as a service will help change some of that. The other piece that I want to just touch briefly about was this idea of edge. And you, you mentioned the idea that when, with the cloud, you got to find the right balance. Okay, if we... If we we have to get information, data applications. We have to support the, the DIA employee on the edge and, and other warfighters on the edge. And then how do you find that right balance? Walk me through a little bit of what you're thinking right now about that edge and, and what does it take to improve your edge computing? To me, it's a bit broader than just that question. We have an ongoing initiative called JWIX Modernization. JWIX is our classified environment. It's a super highway for the IC. So we're going to completely modernize that with three LOEs. First LOE is technical refresh because it's a dated, um, a lot of the equipment is at end of life. Uh, the second one is enhancing security. And the third one is the modernization piece. And that really fits into the question that you just asked. Um, how does that architecture look? What's like the edge node look like? So how do I ensure that I have the appropriate transport comms to the sites that is redundant, that is resilient and self-healing, um, that has capacity to meet the demands that are necessary. But even then, that doesn't mean that I'm gonna, that comms will be there 100% of the time. So the architectures then look at how do I operate in a disconnected environment? And so each of our co-coms now are coming back to us saying, hey, you know, I, I know Stratcom, um, has a requirement to operate in a, a disconnected environment because of the nature of their work. You know, I'm in UCOM and with great power competition you know, of Russia and China, what happens to us in UCOM as we're, we're fighting whatever conflict that's going on and my comms are disconnected? How am I going to operate now? And so, yes, all that's being considered into the overarching architecture that's really associated with JWIX modernization talk about comms and the architecture of the capabilities. Because even though I have a, I could put a cloud in Stuttgart, for example, I could stand that up. 
But the way we are interconnected within the IC and DOD um, and rely on one another, especially after EyeSight and the EyeSight services that came out, is that that capability may be in Stuttgart to support UCOM and AFRICOM, but a, a service that is necessary, that is an application may be dependent on, may still be located back here at D, uh, DIA headquarters. So it's, it becomes a fairly complex architecture when you think about transport and services and capabilities and how they all come together edge node computing, what's necessary. We get into things like, I'm not gonna be able to provide you in a disconnected operations environment, everything that you have now. So what are those critical capabilities? What are those critical data flows that you need? Because there will be some way to do comms, but if you're taking a, a giant pipe worth of data and then moving that down to a soda straw because we're using a SAT, SATCOM capability or so forth, what is it that you're going to need in order to support operations? And what's the rest that you're going to have to have locally for disconnected ops? I know there's a ton more we could talk about, Edge, and we could probably spend the rest of the show on that. But just what's DIA's role with the JWIX process in the project? You're a partner, obviously, or you lead. Uh, walk me just a little bit more through that. All right, so, so JWIX, DIA is the, the owner, manager, of JWIX. So we have the whole kit and caboodle of JWIX. So we own that whole process. What we're doing is we've spent the last year back to customer centricity, engaging with our customers, the COCOMs, the military service intel entities. What is it that you think you're going to need in the next five to 10 years? Um, in this iterative discussions that we're having on a regular basis with all of them, to formulate what those requirements and give them part ownership in where we're going with this. So as we go into the DOD CAPE process uh, for resourcing, it's an inclusive package of moving forward knowing that the future environment is going to be this and we're meeting those needs ahead of that, that actually happening. So we own the whole thing, um, but that doesn't mean we're not working with the other IC entity, and we are. Um, and there are overseers. The ODNI is one side on the Intel side, and USDINS on the DOD side of it, and then Congress. I just met with HACD and SACD, the House Appropriations Committee for Defense and the Senate on Monday and Tuesday with the, the HIPSI. Uh, the SISI was supposed to be there, they didn't show, um, which is okay, but we have regular engagements with them to ensure their buy-in because back to that transparency thing we talked about earlier, one of the things and lessons that we learned in eyesight with large from the IC was we were not transparent in what we were doing with our overseers and that caused some problems. Hey Jack, I, I, I want to go down the eyesight path a little bit more too, but we're going to take a quick break and when we come back. That's what we'll, we'll get into. My guest today is Jack Gumto. The Defense Intelligence Agency's Chief Information Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jack Gumto, the Defense Intelligence Agency's Chief Information Officer. Jack, we've been going through your priorities as outlined in your strategy. We've done two of the four. Let's continue down that path. One of the other priorities I want to touch upon is data. One of the, your big your priorities is deliver data to the point of need. Walk me through what that is and some of the priorities around that 
goal? From my position, data is the common denominator for everything we do, right? So you, you can have IT, you can have people, you can have processes, you can have money, but if you don't have data, there's no point in anything that we do because data is what an information delivered to either the, the warfighter or the policymaker is, is the business we're in and making sense of that. Data, you know, the role of the chief data officer came about a couple years ago. Um, I think the IC kind of led the, the way with that. Uh, Tom Paul was really the first chief data officer that the ODNI put in place. He was a CTO as well at the time. And then I think he was followed by Steve Prosser, who has gone on. The whole process of data governance, data management, um, data architectures is something in government terms anyways, fairly new in how we actually utilize. I mean, so everybody always used data, but data was in silos. It was associated with applications. You couldn't necessarily separate it for use elsewhere. And so that was all we looked at, especially with the environments of clouds. It, it allowed us to rethink about how, how we use data. Don't put it in silos anymore and lock it up that nobody can use it because although I may have a set of data and I think, oh, okay, that's my data and I, I wanna keep it for myself. Jason, you might have a need for that data because you're looking at it from a different perspective and it drives different thought processes or down a different path that helps understand and make provide that clarity in this obscure world that we live in. And so that, that was the intent behind all that. We have to make focal the points of how to deal with data. And for me, it starts with left of zero. If you have, if you have governance policy and standards, and everybody follows or conforms in that. And I'm not talking about being bureaucratic. I'm talking about when I get data, however we get data, if I buy it, um, if we acquire it, however that happens, there's gotta be some sets of rules associated because computing environments need to work with it. And if it's dirty data and I can't make sense and put tags and make it available and index it, if it's not accessible, discoverable, then it's not really all that useful other than maybe for a single purpose. And so the intent is, as I pull the data in from wherever, once again, let's, it's gotta be clean, follow a set, a standardized tagging methodology uh, so that it's accessible, discoverable, usable to a variety of different things. And so that's not trying to make anything more complex than that. Driving data is literally about that. How do you make it more discoverable, accessible, usable to people, to applications, and to others? Okay, so how are you doing that? What, what's, what's the process by which you're tagging that data when it comes in, but not making sure it's in silos? What's your data strategy? Yeah, so uh, we do have a, a chief data officer, Brian Bataille, um, and it's probably worthwhile having him come on and talk about what he's doing with regard to data governance uh, and doing the standards across the agency and working in conjunction with both DOD and the IC at large, because I can't, I'm not doing any of this in a silo. So data can't be in a silo, nor can standards and policy be done in a, in a silo. So if I do something that's different than what DOD is doing, th then the data is not accessible and usable 
between those two communities anymore. Or if I do something in DIA that is outside of the scope of BIC, then it's same, same thing happens. So there's, there are data councils. There's an IC data council. Um, Brian sits on, on that. With Nancy Morgan is the IC's uh, chief data officer. She hosts those on a regular basis. And then there is also now that David Sparks in at DOD, he is starting to stand that up and we're cross, crossing the members so that we're working that together um, as we go forward. You know, and so one of the first things we're doing is we're setting up a data catalog, a governance catalog. So not only is what data do we have, what is the metadata associated with that so you can go get it and find it? What are the, the policies associated with that? I can share this because it's very close hold with only this group of people with these sets of accesses or hey there's licensing rights on that so therefore I can't share that with so the capability they're standing up for data governance addresses all that wraps the data with those policies so that it's you can use it for what it's authorized to be used for that's the best way to put that and then there's other things that we're doing is standing up API um, standards and catalogs. So how do you, what is the standard process in order to get into the data? What, where are those APIs located? You know, where's the data at? So there's a huge environment that's, that's being built around assessing data, making enterprise data capabilities, enterprise data services. For example, microservices, as an example, you might want to use a microservice in an application to do something, but I may want to also use it as part of data to say, hey, if you give me a grid a lot long, maybe I need to convert that into a UTM or some other, or I need to normalize that. We have, there's a number of microservices that are out there that, we're, that we've either built or we leverage on data that says, okay, if I get data in this form, I don't have to spend the time to go ahead and fix that. I just pull up from the, the service catalog, this microservice and allow it to change it for the application without ever affecting the core set of data because another application wants to see it in a different way. And so it's going to pull it from a different, you know, this uh, microservice that gives it to it in slightly different format without compromising the integrity of that data. All right. Good stuff, Jack. Plenty more to talk about. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We can finish up our conversation. My guest today is Jack Gumtow. My guest today is Jack Gumtow, the Defense Intelligence Agency's Chief Information Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jack Gumtow the Defense Intelligence Agency's Chief Information Officer. Two things come to mind when we talk about data, and as you're developing, the, as you mentioned, the service catalogs and the standards and the metadata standards and the microservices, one of those is the analytical capabilities. And being in an intelligence agency, I know you probably have some of the best analytical capabilities. And the second piece is identity and access management because you need to say, okay, Jack can see that data, but he can't change the data or Jack can't see the data, or Jack can see and change the data, the roles and responsibilities. So let's start with analytical capabilities. Are you always looking for more, always looking for better, but is there anything you can point us towards so as vendors who are listening to this will have a better idea of maybe some of the things you'd like to see in the future? 
our, our CDO, my CDO, Brian Bataille, actually comes out of the analytic world and out of the um, S&T side of things. He was um, years ago when General Flynn was the director of DA, um, I came in shortly thereafter, right after he came in. Shortly thereafter, I was also assigned as the chief of the data task force to try to get our understanding. Brian Bataille happened to be on that panel or that task force with me. And then he went off to, to London to do his thing. And I said, one of the things I wanted him back because I don't know data and how to use data from an analytic process perspective like analysts do. So Brian was a natural fit. Where that goes is it's a natural tie into what you just said about data analytics. How do you build analytics? This goes into back to my core goal three that I don't know how to do data analytics. The vendors certainly actually know how to do those well, but my core says I'm only going to go up through the platform. Web. Data analytics is above that. Build it on top of that. Use those data analytics. Use machine learning. Start you thinking about artificial intelligence. I, Jack doesn't really believe that artificial intelligence is where it needs to be, where people think artificial intelligence. We're more at machine learning, making um, more simplistic decisions, but data analytics is a huge part of that. So back to the data standards and governance on data analytics, if you don't have standards for the data, then when is your as you're doing machine learning for to support data analytic capabilities, you end up with chaos because machine learning requires a lot of data and a lot of data sampling to and testing to go in so that it learns what, what's happening. If the data is bad, then you end up with bad results coming out of that. And so one of the things that can, you know, the vendors can help on that is helping us, you know, Mars is a good example of that. So I think everybody has heard about Mars, which is the, our replacement for MIDB, and it's the other priority for the agency, is taking all that data, making sure it's clean, the ETL processes work well, although we do use a IC-developed ETL data service, but not for everything, and, and helping us with the data so that it's clean, it's tagged appropriately, and you know, those analytics can actually come out with ethical, realistic, understandable answers to our, what, what we're doing. Um, and when I say ethical and understandable, you know, there's always bias in data and there's bias in analytics. And so how do you ensure that you drive out some of the bias in there? Because we're still humans and we have bias in how we look at things so that we are actually coming up with pure answers about different things. It's interesting when you talk about the data analytics piece kind of living on the platform. So as long as those tools meet the standards you're looking for, meet the data rules around it and the governance, you probably are less involved in that side of the house saying, hey, this missionary needs this type of analytics. Okay, well, if it meets this set of requirements, okay, go buy it as long as you have the money and it, it meets what we need. I'm sure you want to know about it, but you're not necessarily involved in that level. I mean, uh, am I yeah, putting, putting that together right? You are, with one exception is, so back to, I, under, I have the transport infrastructure and platform, meet those standards. You want to develop the analytic, 
Absolutely. Work with your vendors because you understand the process better than I do, which is why I have Brian Bataille as a CDO because he understands a lot of that as well and can help with those standards. On the flip side, where the exception is, in some cases, entities don't know how to develop analytics. And so then we can help them and work with them and partner as part of that as well. So it's a more, either you take it, I take it, or we do it as a joint piece. Jack, let's go down the path a little bit of identity and access management for, yep. because I think that's the other piece to this data discussion. How are you ensuring that you, how are you advancing, I guess, identity management piece so the roles and responsibilities that backend attributes are taken into consideration as you're developing this more integration of data? I will tell you because of eyesight, the IC has actually led with IDAM. We recognize that when I was the CIO and CTO in Naval Intelligence uh, back into 2011, 2012, we were actually thinking about as a group of CTOs in the IC what eyesight really meant. That was one of the critical path that these, this identity management and attributes uh, was core to everything that we were doing. And so that process has been going for several years now. So uh, eight, nine, 10, almost 10 years in the development that we have IDM services in the IC that have been running, they're out, they're out there as a service. We leverage them uh, on a regular basis. It, here's the bigger issue for me. I think in the IC, it, it's all working fairly well. So data tagging at a minimum set of data tags is available. The services are available for access to data and mediating access to the data. The bigger issue is DOD is now starting to come into that environment saying, well, how are we going to do this? And we, and we have to ensure, and those processes, those meetings are actually occurring, but there's a culture issue that, that goes on that says, okay, how, how are we going to do it between the IC and the DOD? So the IC is a, a, a years ahead of where DOD needs to be. But we need to bring them together so the standards are the same. Because if they're not, then you've got to create a translation service. And wherever you, in engineering, wherever you have a seam, then you have a problem or a potential for a problem. And it's being worked through the CDO process. So the IC CDO, Nancy Morgan, and the council, and they're working it together to drive a unified, at least DOD and IC set of data standards moving forward. Jack, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. So let me first thank my guest. Jack Gumto is the Defense Intelligence Agency's Chief Information Officer. Jack, I really much, very much enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, Jason, thanks for having me. Um, it was a good discussion. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.